If lawmakers do not like the laws that we enforce, that we are charged to enforce, that we are sworn to enforce, then they should have the courage and the skill to change those laws. Otherwise, they should shut up and support the men and women on the front lines. With this action, we are sending a powerful signal to the world. We're going to defend our workers, protect our jobs, and finally, put America first. It's America first. You better believe it. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Tuesday, April 18th, tax day. Welcome to the program, everybody. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. I hope you had a good Easter, good Passover. And we're back uh, following a, a little hiatus with uh, the Holy Week. Um, a lot going on, a lot uh, of news that has come out today, a lot of breaking news in terms of uh, a couple of uh, radical Islamic terror attacks, some threats on the U.S., a Russian airship moments ago, and American airspace. So, well, we're back uh, on the podcast. Uh, a lot to get to. Uh, today is tax day, and uh, just... You know, as you get your, or hopefully you've gotten your taxes done a long time ago, but uh, today, the last day, you can get your taxes done. And I'm looking at the tax code today. Four million words long is the tax code. Uh, The Bible is only 800,000 words only. So just a little comparison there, a very complex uh, tax code. The word length has actually tripled since 1975, and uh, taxpayers spend about 6.0 billion hours a year uh, in trying to comply with this tax code and understand it. Uh, it's a gigantic mess. Uh, an order today that President Trump has put uh, is clamping down on the visa program and forcing the buy American, uh, hire American policy. And uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But um, in terms of uh, his business policies, we know that the market has gone up um, exponentially since his election. Uh, but the policies had to be put in, forth, uh, put in place and Where's Congress during all this time? Oh, they're on a break. They're only working nine days this month. And we're at the 18th of April, and Congress, they're home. They're getting booed at their, uh, both Republicans and Democrats for that matter, are getting booed out of their town hall meetings as they meet with constituents. They're not working. They're doing politics. And even when they're in D.C., they're spending all these hours trying to raise money. They've done stories on this. The... You know, hours that they spend a day trying to fundraise. They're not working. And frankly, Congress has gotten gotten absolutely nothing done in over eight years. And they continue to get nothing done. And, you know, President Trump's put forth a very pro-American agenda. It's been voted for on November 8th. And I don't know what's going on, but you have, on the Democratic side, they're actually a complete mess. And they're getting booed out of town halls or chanting for socialist Bernie Sanders, I mean, just a bunch of commies that, uh, as far as the young uh, Democrats, and they are booing uh, the DNC chair, so things are very divided 
on that spectrum. And then the Republican Party, you have the establishment Republicans that um, are not playing ball with Trump. They don't want to work with him. And the American people are fed up. And they want Trump's policies. And the market, you see, is fluctuating a little bit more because, well, there's concern. What's going to happen in terms of health care? Uh, President Trump said, and we talked about this before we left on Thursday, that, you know, President Trump uh, in, has repeatedly said that, you know, health care, there's all these taxes in the health care bill and Obamacare, and we need to get rid of it to go on to taxes. And, and you know, there hasn't been a uh, major tax reform since 1986, believe it or not. So it's time to do something. Now, you know, the Democrats don't want to lower taxes. Um, that's just, you know— uh, against what they believe in. But there's got to be reform here, and there's got to be some way that they could work together, but you're going to need all Republicans to support, and they can't even get their act together on something they've opposed for seven and a half years, and that being the Affordable, Unaffordable Health Care Act and Obamacare. So Congress isn't working. They're not even showing up for work. You have a massive foreign policy situation here where you have North Korea pressing us, and all these congressmen and congresswomen know how to do is talk no action just talk um let's get on to workers and then i'll swing back around to our national security and a lot of things happening here at home and a lot of things happening abroad well president trump um he uh signed an order today an executive order to clamp down the visa program and enforcing this buy american hire american pledge that he's been making well the executive order is going to make it harder for American tech companies to hire employees from foreign companies willing to work for less money than Americans. Makes sense. Let me go over the details and then we'll analyze. Uh, Trump signed this order by American Hire American Order during his visit to the Snap-on Tools headquarters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. By the way, a very interesting place. You had an American flag there. It was a really cool backdrop that was made out of uh, steel. Uh, so a pretty cool uh, deal today for uh, the president in Wisconsin that hasn't gone red, by the way, since Ronald Reagan's uh, um, you know total uh, route of an election in his uh, re-election campaign. And uh, so there, there hasn't that was in '84. So there wasn't uh, there hasn't been a Republican president voted for in Wisconsin in a very long time. Uh, the president made it clear in Wisconsin that the, uh, the order would have these bold new steps or making good on his campaign promises to generate more jobs for out-of-work Americans. 95 million Americans at the labor force, lowest labor participation rate since the 1970s, and 13 million or more Americans on food stamps since 2009 when Barack Hussein Obama was elected. Uh, Trump, uh, Trump's order today targets the H-1B visa program. This allows... U.S. companies to employ graduate-level workers in specialty occupations like IT, engineering, mathematics, and science. Uh, among other changes, the White House wants to end the H-1B lottery system and replace it with a merit-based one. Um, President Trump said we're going to switch away from a random lottery system in which it's weighed toward uh, the lowest-wage workers towards a system that prioritizes high-skilled, higher-paid workers. And it would make it uh, much more difficult to replace American workers, because right now what you're seeing are foreign workers taking American jobs. You're having unskilled workers taking those jobs and, uh, frankly, leaving a lot of people that work. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people are quick to say on the left, you know, well, maybe these people don't want jobs. Um, 
I'm not concerned about the ones that don't want the job as the ones that do want the job and will take any job and are being told, no, you're an American, we're not going to hire you. We're going to favor foreign workers over our own people out of the labor force because it's cheaper. So at a certain point, while I want to see the corporate tax rate being reduced to 15, repatriating money overseas that would make a better business environment, allow trillions to be invested and reinvested in the United States, and create a better business environment to hire American workers, and I want to see the personal tax rate, uh, first of all, the tax code being simplified, and then the personal rate uh, being reduced as well, only three tax brackets, and I want to see all of this put into fruition. At the same time, this H-1B visa program, just because it may you know, allow for uh, companies to obviously make larger profits, I'm not concerned about larger profits as I am about American workers and what's best for them. You know, every company will will um, will have to make adjustments based on what is the law, and they will make adjustments based on who to hire, but they shouldn't be favoring foreign workers over American ones. And that's how we have to run our country, right? Run our country like a business. We have people that need to be put in work. Let's get them a job. Um, and uh, let's see, each year on April 1, by the way, there's a fresh cap for H-1B visa applications set up by the U.S. Citizen and Immigration Services. In fact, the lines were outrageous even leading up to April 1 this year because people feared that the president would take away H-1B visa programs. Um, it, uh, the order empowers federal agencies to re-examine the loopholes in the government's procurement process. Specifically, they would look into whether the waivers and free trade agreements are leading to unfair trade by companies outside the U.S. and whether it undercuts American companies on a global playing field. Because, listen, free trade, free market, crucial. But at the same time, there's got it's got to be fair for our country. Um, you know, there are there are countries that impose high border taxes. You know, 100% as much as, um, 50%, uh, whatever it may be, and we let goods being traded into in the U.S. for for no tax. So you have a situation where things have to be fair. Um, now, it could be a negotiation tool like you're seeing with China and North Korea. More on that in a moment. But here is the president um, when he signed his executive order. Just a short clip. I'm not going to inundate you with sound today as I can. But there's just so much news. I do want to explain everything. And then we'll uh, continue along with the week as things develop. But here is the president today in Wisconsin on his Buy American, Hire American executive order. This election... The American people voted to end the theft of American prosperity. They voted to bring back their jobs and to bring back their dreams into our country. With this action, we are sending a powerful signal to the world. We're going to defend our workers, protect our jobs, and finally put America first. It's America first. You better believe it. It's time. It's time, right? It's time. So it certainly is time. Now, the H-1B visa program, by the way, just to give you some statistics on this, admits 85,000 immigrants in each year to handle high-tech jobs. The number of applications for H-1B visas fell uh, 199,000 uh, people this year from 236,000 uh, in 2016. But uh, still, I mean, people are lining up. Uh, I saw the lines were 
uh, pretty large. But those are the uh, those are the facts there. Um, and you know, Trump's order requiring applicants and their employers to demonstrate that the H-1B visa awards only go to high-skilled workers in their fields. Because if you're going to hire hire a foreign worker, well, it's got to be for a for a reason. They have to be really good at what they do, and you can't have an American doing it. Problem is, um, there are a lot of jobs, coal in particular, manufacturing. We've seen the auto industry come back in full force. They've been doing excellent. Ford, General Motors, um, Fiat Chrysler, all bringing American jobs back just because President Trump has, what's he done? He's picked up a phone. Crazy thought, right? He's picked up the phone and got on the phone with Ford and General Motors and all these CEOs over $100 billion invested in the U.S., $1.8, over $1.8 million, uh, million big league jobs being created since he was elected. But all he's done is picked up the phone and say, hey, you're not leaving. And if you leave, we're going to tax you. And Democrats love taxes, so he's got no problem there. Um, so it's just using the fact that he could pick up a phone and say, listen, we're going to put our, our American workers first. What's wrong with that? Nothing. I know. Okay, so uh, on the economic front, uh, encouraging today was a good order, keeping some campaign pledges, making uh, keeping his promises. Uh, but what what has to happen here is Congress has to do their job on the economic front. Healthcare is a huge one. Let's relieve the middle class of this burdensome nonsense um, entitlement that Obamacare is. And give people a, a relief there, and then we got to move on to tax reform. But the problem is, uh, what we're hearing now is that they may not get to health care until August, maybe later, maybe push back till next year, which would really be a sin. And that's on Congress, okay? Because the president's ready to rock and roll. He works harder than anyone, so it's not about the president. It's about Congress right now getting their asses back to Washington and getting to work. And that they're not doing it. Now, let's get into security here, okay? Because uh, there's a lot going on. You know the Facebook killer. Uh, we'll start with that uh, because that's been all over the place. And, well, we do a Facebook Live when we're uh, as we record the podcast and they can see what's going on live behind the scenes. Um, so it's fitting the story here that, uh, you know, Steve uh, Stevens, the murderer, who sparked a multi-state manhunt after he um, he killed a just a random man in Cleveland. And I'm looking at him like, is there a motive? Why did he kill him? I have all these questions. And it seems like there was no reason. He went on this chase to Pennsylvania as cops closed in today. They even uh, used a maneuver, a PI team maneuver, uh, to disable Stevens' vehicle. And uh, as this happened, then uh, then Stevens pulled a pistol on himself and shot himself in the head. So he killed himself. He's dead. So at least that nightmare was over and the family had some closure. But what a sickening act that this guy goes on Facebook Live or whatever it was, a recorded video that was up there for two hours on Facebook before being taken down. He was on the run for 48 hours. In a car, in a Ford, right? I think it was in a Ford. Uh, and whatever it was. But he's on the run. He had this murderer out there. And he was in McDonald's at 11 a.m. in Pennsylvania. And this is when somebody, because he saw his picture and this was all over the place, called the police. He was on a run. The troopers 
uh, were tracking him down and he killed himself. And good riddance to him. Glad he killed himself, although he's such a coward for doing. You know, this SOB, okay, killed, murdered somebody. And the family, I'm watching the family today, couldn't believe my ear. If I were them, I'd be yelling and ranting and calling for the most heinous uh, uh, prison sentence and uh, death penalty. I'd be calling for everything if I was the family. And the family, they're crying. They're so religious that they are actually forgiving. And they forgive this murder. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe my ears. I, and the, the man, uh, Robert Goodwin, who died, was 74 years old, just minding his own business, walking just south of I-90 Sunday afternoon in Cleveland. And he pulled out a camera phone and murdered him for no apparent reason. Really sickening. And uh, so the family is uh, mourning his loss. And they forgive him, which is un just really unbelievable. As uh, he's, uh, The family is obviously devastated, as they should be. Now today, as we go to do this uh, podcast today, and I'm sure by the time you listen to it, things will change on the story. So let me just give you what I know as of 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, in Fresno, California, a radical Islamic terror hate crime as three people are killed. A suspect yelled Allahu Akbar, which is Arabic for God is great. That's a traditional ISIS uh, phrase that is used. He says that he hates white people. He wrote about hating white people, hating the government on Facebook. So to me, that's a hate crime. And he is in custody tonight. Three people killed after this man went on a shooting spree in downtown Fresno, California, while shouting Allahu Akbar, uh, which is Arabic, uh, Arabic again for uh, God is great. He was tackled and taken into custody by police. His name is Corey Ali Muhammad, uh, 39 years old, in connection with the shootings. Uh, Dyer, uh, uh, the police chief, Jerry Dyer, said that Muhammad went by the nickname Black Jesus and shouted Allahu Akbar as police tackled him. To the ground, uh, this thug um, said that he hates white people and has made posts against white people and the government on his Facebook page. All the victims of the shooting rampage on Tuesday were white men. The shooting spree began around 10.45 a.m. in Fresno, California, uh, when one person was shot at a P uh, PG&E utility truck P uh, and a second person was shot uh, just on the street. A third person was shot in the parking lot of Catholic Charities. So, hating Christians and also uh, a hate crime, hating white people and a radical Islamic terrorist. Uh, he was already wanted, this terrorist, in connection uh, to the killing of an unarmed security guard at a motel, motel 6 last week. Really, dis And, of course, in a sanctuary city, in a sanctuary state. Um, we'll find out more about this tomorrow. We'll cover it for you. Uh, but this story is sickening. And so for anyone that says, just add this on to the list. When you have the left saying, oh, we don't have problems with terrorism and climate change is more important and yada, yada, yada. Um, hello, ISIS is here. And whether or not it was an ISIS militant who we bombed the crap out of in Afghanistan or it is a ISIS Terrorist, the soldier of the of the Islamic State in our country, 
Uh, we have a problem, and it's an ideology problem. It goes to their recruitment, and um, and sadly, this is uh, this is the world we live in. Okay, and so now you know, yeah, people are that make all these uh, allegations that oh well, at this point, you know, it is minorities, it is whoever. Okay, that are that are being targeted because Trump is president. Okay, well, I'm sorry, folks. But um, the hate crimes go all the way around, and it has to do with that ideology. It has nothing to do with our president. In fact, our president's going to do something about it, as you see with the bombing on Afghanistan. Now, what what boggles my mind is that you bomb an ISIS territory that we talked about on Thursday, and you bomb the crap out of this area that has been an ISIS stronghold since 2015. And Elizabeth Warren, okay, the uh, senator from Massachusetts comes out and says um, that uh, why are we why are we bombing ISIS? I mean I'm not even kidding. Okay, this is what she said. This Elizabeth Warren, I call her Goofy. Yeah, so Elizabeth Warren, okay, comes out and says last week, um, what's the strategy here? And demanding an explanation after the mother of all bombs strike on ISIS. The strategy, first of all, you're not privy to know the strategy, you wacko. Okay, Congress doesn't even do their jobs, and they want to know the strategy. He's the commander in chief. You're not. Okay, and where's your outrage when Christians and Jews are being persecuted during Holy Week? They're murdered by decapitation, and you have zero civilians killed, by the way, in Afghanistan. Over a hundred ISIS militants died, and you want it, and you're outraged, and you want to know the strategy. I mean, unbelievable. Pocahontas. Yeah. Okay. So. You have now an ISIS terror attack in California today, and people are—I mean, the response is sickening. Okay, now we're going to talk later about the American flag, what it re what it represents. You have students, you have broadcasters. Now sports is being—and we already know with Kaepernick. Okay, the American flag should be political, and neither should be bombing terrorists. Okay, we're dealing with bad dudes here, bad hombres. Okay, these are terrorists, these are radical Islamists, these are hateful, these are truly hateful people, and they should be killed. Okay, we have a lot of problems here, and on foreign policy in a moment, but, uh, you know, th this is all related. Um, today we find out that what the hell, in this edition of what the hell is the FBI thinking, okay, um, Fox News exclusive, new files obtained, through a federal lawsuit on the uh, the FOIA request that was uh, obtained by um, oh, what's the name of the group? I'll tell you in a second. Um, was uh, obtained though uh, through a FOIA um, request. Uh, finds that um, FBI surveillance images of American-born radical cleric, you know him, Anwar Al Awaki, um, that. He, that you see the surveillance images confirming that uh, he was under bureau surveillance for, quote, ITUBL al-Qaeda investigation, okay? And he has inspired all these radical Islamic um, attacks in our country, including the Boston bombing. He was—his um, uh, influence uh, on the Zarnaev brothers and other terrorist attacks across the world. And we find out that this high-level FBI surveillance— um, show that he was in our country in Virginia months after 
the 9-11 attack to which he inspired the hi the hijackers. Awaki, just to give you some background, now he died. Uh, he was killed in, a, in Yemen in an airstrike in uh, 2015, I believe. And uh, he became the first American put on the CIA's capture or kill list. Uh, 2011, he was dying. I'm, so, I'm sorry, he was killed in 2011 in a drone strike in Yemen. Uh, the clerics' travels in and out of America are now documented in, these, uh, in this FOIA request obtained by Judicial Watch, is the name of the... We're trying to think of it. Judicial Watch and Fox News uh, has an exclusive on it uh, through Catherine Herridge's great investigative reporter, Catherine Herridge, there at Fox News. They were obtained... Uh, by Judicial Watch, uh, promotes government transparency in case you don't know who they are. The FBI first released blurry Xerox copies in 2013 of the photos with poor resolution, and now, because of the lawsuit and the FOIA request, they, f they can confirm that Milwaukee had contact with the 9-11 hijackers in San Diego and Virginia. Not only that, he was in Virginia at the Pentagon five months after 9-11 at some luncheon. Uh, I mean... Seriously. Now, he should have been arrested, probably killed, while he was there. He was back and forth from America, and then he went back to Al-Qaeda to lead an Al-Qaeda terrorist group. He's inspired thousands of terrorists. And you can check this out. Uh, uh, Catherine Herridge again, her reporting Fox News and foxnews.com. And you find out that this Muslim cleric, this radical Islamist who promoted all these terrorist attacks that inspired and that is responsible for, for people's deaths, for innocent people, anyone that doesn't support radical Islam. And the federal government had a warrant issued for his arrest, but it was mysteriously rescinded when he showed up at JFK Airport in New York on October 10th in 2002. He easily traveled to Virginia and eventually disappeared in Yemen, becoming a top recruiter for Al-Qaeda. And we're just finding this out now that the FBI sat on this. What the hell is going on in our intelligence? Between the unmasking of names and spying on a political adversary, which is well documented, and don't worry, we haven't forgotten about that story, and then now we find out that they sat on this, that they could have prevented lives here. Why didn't they shoot him at the Pentagon? Uh, this is absolutely disgusting. And then today, uh, another story of an ISIS sympathizer from Florida sentenced to life in prison today. He's he was arrested and sentenced for attempting to provide material support to ISIS and use a weapon of mass destruction, according to the DOJ. Harlem Suarez, also known as Almak Benitez, 23 years old, Monroe County, Florida, sentenced to life in prison for attempting to use a weapon of mass destruction and an explosive device. Where do you think it comes from, by the way? Oh, where do you think? Guatemala. El Salvador. All these countries that are providing uh, illegal immigration, criminal illegal aliens, drug trafficking, and all these crimes. Suarez, this uh, ISIS terrorist, was also an FBI, also told an FBI informant, that he wanted to make a timer bomb. Evidence presented during the trial showed that Suarez brought, bought components for potential weapon of mass destruction and planned to fill it with galvanized nails. Ouch. 
Suarez was convicted at Key West, Florida, January 27th. I mean, this is what's going on, folks, in our country. They will stop at nothing, and until we come together as a country and say it's time to defeat this radical ideology and go after these bad guys to the full extent of the law, I mean, uh, frankly, some of these people, like the North Korean leader, he should be assassinated. More on that when we come back. We're going to talk about uh, North Korea. We'll get into everything in terms of uh, foreign policy, Department of Homeland Security on immigration, and much, much more. Plus, since when is the American flag controversial? Since when is enforcing the law controversial? Well, we're going to break it down for you. April 18th, we roll along on the Neil A. Crystal Show podcast. We are never going to let you down. And neither will Neil A. Caruso. With you every day on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast and Sundays at noon Eastern on the Neil A. Caruso Show on neilacaruso.com. He's the real deal. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Straightforward talk that drives the political establishment crazy. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know how it works digitally at all. <laughs> Neil A. Caruso is on the air and telling it the way it is as you deserve. It's the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, you heard this... One thing, because I saw a study today on texting and driving. You heard the PSA for texting and driving. I found this so scary today, the study. I just wanted to tell you about it real quick. Zendrive, the study research company working to improve road safety, looked at 570 million trips among 3.1 million drivers between December 2016 and February 2017. Found drivers use their phones, get this, a whopping 88% of the time while driving. 88% of the time, these 3.1 million drivers use their phone while driving. They also found that time on phones averaged three and a half minutes for every hour of driving. Now, looking away from the road for two seconds increases your chances of crashing 20 Four times over. So get this. 
okay? That right now, when, if you are listening to this podcast while driving, there is an 88% chance that you are also texting. And, moreover, that by looking away from your phone for two seconds, don't do it. If you're driving now, I don't want you looking at your phone. You set the podcast before you drive, and you don't look at your phone. Put it in the back seat if you have to. It increases your chances of crashing over 24 times. Imagine, and you're going to take that risk of possibly crashing and possibly a deadly crash because the immediacy you have to answer text. I have texts on my phone right now, and I'm just doing a podcast, and I can answer it. I'm not answering it. So why can you not put your phone on hold? Just a public service announcement, free of charge for you because uh, too many people do it. I see people all the time, and it's not even – maybe you're not doing it. But some idiot that's 18 years old, whatever, is, and sometimes the old people too, they're worse, and they'll kill you by texting and driving. So don't do it. Why put your life at risk? You have so much to live for. Now, on to foreign policy on the podcast. Uh, this evening, as we're talking to you, again, more will develop, I'm sure, and we'll have a cover for you tomorrow. The U.S. military reports that uh, today it intercepted two Russian bombers in international airspace off of Alaska's coast. Two United States F-22 fighters responded from El uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage to make the interception. NBC News is reporting that the Russian long-range Tu-95 Bear bombers breach airspace around the U.S. and Canada, known as the Alaskan Air Defense Identification Zone, in which the aircraft, uh, aircraft must be readily identified and report details of their course and destination. The Russian bombers did stay in international space, but they're testing us. And this brings me to President Trump's challenges. Now, we have been covering this for a couple of weeks here. Now, I want to refresh your memory. All the lies that you were told under the Obama administration, okay? You know, you can like you like your doctor, keep your doctor. Well, this is nothing in comparison because now we have American lives in danger. Hawaii is preparing for the first time since the 1980s for a potential strike by North Korea. They are putting in their emergency plans in preparation for an attack on Hawaii. This is what we are living in now. Okay, so not only do you have to fear radical Islamists, okay, I mean, sadly, I'm an Easter Sunday mess, okay, and I am thinking about, again, sadly, that I even have to think about this at this time, but I'm smart enough to know that things like this do occur, and I'm thinking of what is my escape route if a radical Islamic terrorist is there at the church and opens fire? How am I going to get out? How is my family going to get out safely? That's what goes through my mind now, okay? So, the things that you don't worry about are the things that can hurt you the most. And North Korea, well, you know, Obama, okay, during his terms, publicly minimized this threat, okay? And then what did Trump say when he met with President Obama for the first time? As president-elect, Trump was asked, well, what did Obama tell you? What's going to be your biggest challenge? He said, well, it's going to be China and North Korea. And they're related because China controls imports to North Korea. They control coal. They control, and they, by the way, have stopped uh, in their trading coal with them for the time being. So that's a positive. That adds up to a B 
billion dollars in revenue for North Korea. They control their oil. China is responsible for their economy. And so China is a very key player here. Now, President-elect Trump was told, China and North Korea are your biggest challenges. How come then Obama minimized this threat and then after eight years of irresponsible foreign policy leaving us weaker than ever before in terms of our standing in the world and, of course, military preparedness and prowess, literally taking money out of the military and reducing it during the largest threat ever, how come now after... These isolationist policies by Obama, um, we have to now deal with this because of, of the problems of the past. And by the way, not just Obama, it goes back to Bush as well. Because all they've done is appease North Korea and Kim Jong-un. And this is a crazy fat kid, okay? And, you know, I, I'm serious. This guy is, I mean, you want to talk about a leader. That is so irrational is Kim Jong-un, who on Saturday, on the anniversary of his grandfather's founding of North Korea, is parading big bombs and missiles. A sign of showing strength and pumping up your chest. Okay, now, the government can't confirm this, and I'm glad that they don't comment on these things, but a missile was launched from North Korea and their celebration, a sickening celebration on Saturday. And a missile was launched and uh, a test that was thwarted, that was somehow didn't, it was totally failed, a complete colossal failure and an embarrassment to Kim Jong-un. Now he is threatening to test nuclear weapons weekly. Okay, so now we're dealing with a nuclear threat. Now, they, are, they have had nuclear weapons. The problem is we have appeased North Korea for so many years that they have been able to build up their weapons. Now, this is going on in Iran, too. While well, we sign a deal that permits them to do whatever the hell they want without us interfering for 30 days. Unbelievable, the worst deal that's ever been made. In terms of North Korea, thank God that President Trump has actually forged a relationship with Chinese President Xi Jinping, to which last week Xi Jinping calls President Trump and says, we will work with you to denuclearize North Korea. Um, positive. Russia's on ice, and uh, you're seeing Russia's testing Trump, and you have the Syria, President Trump sent a message right away, we're not going to take human rights violations, and we'll put a missile in your backyard. Um, finally, a president who is... Um, has a backbone. The problem is here is that we're dealing with very dangerous problems. We are dealing with a threat that is not going away. Uh, we're dealing with uh, a threat that is going to be here for a while, and it's unfortunate it has to be like this. But, you know, if Obama didn't appease North Korea and if he put action, we would have a different scenario. Now, I heard uh, General Jack Keane talk about this and other experts and generals say, listen, uh, options are on the table. It's against U.S. policy to do it, but it doesn't mean we can't support it. Uh, for China to do it is, listen, you have a leader that can literally destroy a lot of, uh, and he has a capability of destroying a lot of uh, countries and people. Uh, we may have to, or China may have to, with our wink-wink support, assassinate Kim Jong-un. It may be the only way to deal with this. Now, the problem is, what happens there? 
Now, South Korea, uh, Mike Pence, the vice president there, is playing a key role. He went there on Easter. I don't think that was a planned trip. Mike Pence, though, uh, a key player and a uh, such a good man and a key player for President Trump to be able to go there and say, listen, the time of appeasing is over. The time for action is now, and we're not going to be pushed around. And this is where, you know, people say, well, President Trump said no intervention. Right, but when Hawaii is in danger of being attacked with a nuclear weapon, uh, I think we have to react some way. And it's going to be peace through strength. Um, the problem here, and this really shouldn't be controversial, the problem here, though, is that the foreign policy of the past led us to this point, and now moving forward, because you got to move on from that, we're unfortunately in this terrible situation, and... What, what are President Trump's options here, okay? Now, he could threaten to bomb them, and he may have to, you know, down the line, have to preemptively strike them before using a nuclear weapon. But you have a dangerous guy in North, Carol uh, North Carolina, North Korea, okay, who wants to build up a nuclear arsenal, is parading missiles like they did in the Cold War. Now, the Cold War turned out to be those missiles were— were actually empty, but, uh, you know, I would not take that risk with this crazy fat guy, Kim Jong-un. And the rhetoric, terrorizing South Korea, terrorizing our U.S. homeland. And, uh, frankly, President Trump is, is, we're so lucky to have him in the fact that he is uh, being a man of decisive action and saying we're not going to take it, okay, and we will deal with it. And we're going to, I mean, I could see just a look in his eyes. When he's asked about it, you think he wants to piss off Kim Jong-un? I don't think so. All he said was he's behaving badly. And North, uh, North Korea is yelling back and claiming for war. We don't want war, okay? But we don't need innocent civilians dying either. So that's a huge, colossal mess. And hopefully China helps us out. And if they do, we'll eat the $337 billion trade deficit. Now here at home. The Department of Homeland Security, General John Kelly, is defending the border control. You have a 70% decrease at the border because it's uh, it has been a deterrent. Uh, the fact that we're going to build the wall, and that'll go up. You have an increase of uh, 10,000 new immigration customs enforcement employees. You're going to have 125 new immigration judges under uh, Department of Justice and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Um, and Homeland Security John Kelly is coming out and saying, listen— this is what we're doing, where we need to enforce our laws. The border, uh, this is what um, Sessions said, uh, and uh, Justice with Judge Janine on Fox, this border is not open. If you come to America, come lawfully. Don't come unlawfully. And, you know, somewhat uncontroversial, I don't understand how enforcing the law is controversial. I don't understand how saying we're going to deport criminal illegal aliens how is that controversial? Okay? Um, the media makes it to be such a huge story that's a huge controversy because we're enforcing the law and getting criminals out. And that we're dealing with illegal immigration. We're not dealing with those that are here illegally. We're dealing with those illegally. We're dealing with gang members. Okay? The media just started covering this this week. Okay? Long Island in New York, okay, is home to... The MS-13 gang members, they're not the only place. MS-13 gang members are prevalent in certain areas of Long Island, including Hempstead, New York, uh, 
and there are other areas. The MS-13 gang member, members consist of members from El Salvador, from Guatemala, uh, from Honduras, and other places in Latin America. Now, I'm watching MSNBC yesterday because I said, let, let me let me see. I couldn't watch it for more than a minute, but let me see before I throw up. And what do they talk about? Okay, no joke. They bring on a Latin American woman to call Trump a racist, okay, because he's getting criminal legal aliens out of our country. He's getting gang members out and he's a racist. And he goes, how come all the how come all the gang members are from Latin America? Or whatever, whoever's filling in for Rachel Maddow yesterday, I don't know. What's with uh, all the gang members coming from Latin America? Why are they deporting only Latin Americans? Because the gang members are from Latin America. At some point, it doesn't have to do with race, it's just the fact, okay? It's like the fact that, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, I don't care, okay? Listen, the fact is that the minority uh, black race, there are more that are in prison. Whether, I don't know why, all, the fact is that more blacks are in prison, okay? That's just a fact, you can't argue that. I cannot analyze why, and I cannot say how. Don't know. Don't know the reasons for it. But a lot of them get wrapped up in gang violence. I mean, listen, in Chicago, to give you this, because I saw this, and this really angered me, that this is still going on, and I want Trump to, to react to this. You have Chicago violence, shooting incidents over the Easter weekend, 45 shots, two fatally in Chicago during the holiday weekend, uh, murders in 2017, just from January to April 18th, 160 murders. In 2016, which is the highest on record in Chicago, there were 163 murders. We're already at 160. 704 shooting incidents already in the city of Chicago in 2017. In 2016, there were 786 shooting incidents. We're almost at those record numbers, and it's only the fourth month of the year out of 12. We're one-third of the year in, and we're already at record numbers in terms of murders in Chicago. And they're gang, and, and it's gang violence. And people get wrapped up in it, and families do. And they put, they actually, it's like mafia, the way that they operate. They put uh, a, they say, if you tell anyone that you're in this gang, we will shoot you. We will kill your family. So you think they're going to tell anyone? You think they're going to report anything? No. They don't go to school. They get wrapped up in this crap. And that's why education and uh, school choice is so important. Arrests of illegal immigrants jumped 32% in Trump's first months. And in the reports that we see, murderers, rapists, drug dealers, gang members have all been detained and deported. Good riddance. Get the hell out of here. They don't belong here in the first place. And then they come here, they commit heinous acts. And these are the people that are going. But sure, Trump is a racist. They're coming from Latin America because that's where the drug money is coming from. Because that's where the opioids are. That is funding this gang operation. You see, it's all connected. So illegal immigration and enforcing our laws should not be controversial. Getting criminals out of our country should not be controversial. And you know what else shouldn't be controversial? The American flag. And before I close up here, and there is so much news today, there's a lot more, and we'll cover it all week for you. But... This really, I mean, I talk about it on this podcast, snowflakes, right? And I defined that for you last week and the less snowflake stories last week in terms of the mentality that young people have 
That's not just young people. It's, uh, it's mentality among people of the whining and the complaining and the poor me attitude. N no responsibility, okay? Everything in the world is wrong. Well, university students at the University of California, Davis, said that uh, they voted that to, to put the American flag away to make it optional in the student senate. They passed legislation in their school. Legislation is kids. Okay, to make decisions for anything, I mean, they just they should be living in a box, and they practically are in the bubble that they live in. They actually passed a school rule revoking the requirement of the American flag standing visibly at every Senate meeting. Under the new rules, any senator that wants to display the American flag must file a petition now. So now the norm is that the American flag is not displayed. That is the norm. Okay, putting the American flag away. These kids grow up. Okay, and now first of all, they need to grow up. But but you know they're not raised this way. I really see these schools as being the worst institutions. They're cult-like. Okay, and for people to and I've experienced it. Okay, to go on to a college campus. Okay, where the American flag, by the way, you know what I do every day when I see the American flag? I salute it. I salute it for the freedom. I salute it for what it represents and because I love this country, plain and simple. And for all the opportunity I am blessed to have because I don't live in an oppressive regime like Saudi Arabia and Iran and Qatar and all those throughout the world. And that I'm blessed that I'm not, you know, in a gang and I have no opportunity in life. That's why I salute the American flag. Why don't you? Is my question to these snowflake students in California who love to burn things and riot and set the American flag on fire. It's anarchy. It really is. And for them to do this, to put it away, and for the school to allow it just shows the failure of the American educational system, and I'm not just talking about the fact that we are like 25th in math and science, and that's just that we educate foreigners so well, and they take our jobs, and we're so stupid, okay, and we rely heavily on testing, and we can get into educational policy. We have in the past. I'm not going to now. What I find here is a failure of the American educational system in terms of history. That we teach people that our country is oppressive, that our country, okay, is founded on slavery. This is what you hear from the left, okay? That our country, when, you know, Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican, by the way, uh, did uh, abolish slavery and allowed, uh, and allowed people uh, to be citizens, and our country uh, ran from an oppressive regime— but they don't teach the real history, and they say that our country is oppressive, and our country is bad, and that we treat people terribly, and, and we're all racist. This is what they want you to believe, and these, this is what these teachers do in the classroom. And they will have you believe that there's everything wrong. I mean, I, I mean you talk about, like, I've been in a class where they talk about this uh, Pepsi commercial that we, that we talked about, that Kendall Jenner was in handing a, a Pepsi to a police officer. Why is that controversial? Why is supporting our law enforcement controversial? It shouldn't be. And I said flat out in this class, I said, I think people are oversensitive. I think people need to get over themselves, okay? 
and uh, you know, police men, police women, law enforcement should not be controversial. Okay, they should be loved, they should be respected, they should be trusted. Black Lives Matter is oppressive. They don't allow anyone in that's a different race than they are. Black Panthers, same thing. Throwing rocks at police, fry like bacon, okay, um, and uh, cursing police officers, that's controversial. Supporting the American flag and for what it stands for in terms of our freedom is not. But this is what people believe. But they'll never survive in life. And then you have this, you know, politics and sports should never mix. But how about when broadcasters that ha that don't know diddly squat about politics put themselves into a debate on Twitter by saying, this is an NBC Sports baseball writer. He writes about baseball for a living. And we're going to take his opinion seriously on world issues. Craig Calcaterra is his name, whatever he is, on NBC Sports. He wrote on Twitter that, for the Atlanta Braves to put a gigantic flag on the field for the playing of our national anthem, which we do before every game and is America's pastime, okay, that evoked politically tone, uh, political tones, and that um, he wrote, he also blogged about it, that pro teams had to stay out of politics and that the American flag is political. Um, yeah. He said it was uh, the waving... The American flag is a political strategy. What a conspiracy theorist. How about when we stand up for the national anthem before every game, that's because we're only there to play baseball because of all the men and women who have fought for our country. As so many baseball players have fought for our country. You know, Joe DiMaggio. Okay, the list goes on. I could get talk about the history of war and, and uh, baseball players. And there's a whole exhibit of the Baseball Hall of Fame if you've ever gone there in Cooperstown, New York. And so he, this Craig Calcaterra, an NBC sports writer, basically said that um, that using the American flag before a game is political. It's not political to support your country. No one asked these people who were carrying an American flag, did you vote for Trump? No, None of them said that they did. The American flag is not political. The American flag resembles our freedom and our sovereignty and the blessed, the blessings that we have to live in this country. And he decides, this brilliant sports writer, decides to tell us that it's political to have an American flag. No, it's political to kneel during the national anthem and say that you are, that our country is oppressed and that you feel oppressed and when you make millions of dollars, Colin Kaepernick, and then decide you're going to stand for the national anthem because you're a free agent and your millions of dollars is at risk, which is the case now. That is being political. When you have nothing to believe in, that you just say, well, I'm going to kneel because I feel oppressed and people don't like me at all. Trump. Nothing to do with Trump. Baseball, nothing to do with Trump. Okay, let's talk about his former baseball career. It's pretty damn good, actually. Um, how about the, I don't know if you saw this, Boston bombing, uh, the Boston bombing, the Boston Marathon. This year on, uh, w when was the race? It was yesterday, Monday? How about the veteran? There were actually two that were just, drew tears to my eyes. There was one who had only had one leg to stand on, who was, had an American, holding an American flag, 
across the, the entire the entire race he ran with an American flag across the finish line with the American flag in hand. Is that political? How about veteran who only had one leg that was carrying a woman across the finish line? That's remarkable. And not political. Time to support our country, folks. People need to really grow up. You know, all the crying over the weekend at the taxes. Do they realize that he spent $39 million? Thank you, Rachel Maddow. We got Trump's taxes. $39 million in taxes on $150 million in income. Congratulations. He makes money. He works hard. You know, maybe if you had a job and maybe if you had something to work for, you'd be too tired to waste your time and energy by protesting. Nonsense. All these babies and snowflakes. Okay. It is, I mean, this is what our country's come to. It's just a bunch of whiners. Okay? And so the Buy American, Hire American initiative and the executive order today, you know, that's that American pride that's saying people are going to get back to work, we're going to get back to using our hands again, and we're going to, men are going to be men. Okay? And women are going to be women. And we're going to work hard, and we're going to earn what we deserve. We're not going to uh, just be given a free lunch, because that's not how the world works. Let's get back to that mentality. All right? And if you feel triggered, good. Go go cry. Unbelievable. All these snowflakes, and they're wasting their time. God bless you. God bless America. We'll see you on the podcast tomorrow, and I'll cover all of this news for you, uh, including the snowflakes and the snowflake brigade. You know, Hillary keeps blaming the election loss, number one, but I didn't mention her. All right, see you tomorrow. God bless you. God bless America. The Neil A. Caruso Show podcast is a production of Caruso Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Caruso on social media. And log on to neilacaruso.com to sign up for Caruso's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.